The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. They quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you. You know, one of the uh, things that's been happening in Hollywood is that the people who create our fictional universes on film, TV, they've decided that they can make more money if they produce films about origin stories. Right now, origin stories are a big deal. So you have some sort of hero, you know, you have Batman or you have Spider-Man or you have, I don't know, Ted Lasso. And, and they... You know, the, the story that's been told already doesn't seem to be enough. People want more. They want to know the background. They want to know how this guy came to be who he was or how this lady came to be, you know, such a great spy in the world of spyology and all that sort of stuff. And so they create new movies, new television shows with origin stories. It's a big thing right now, these origin stories. The funny thing is, I suppose, is that it's nothing new for us. Origin stories have been around in the Christian and Jewish world for a long, long, long time. In a sense, what's the Bible except one big origin story for us and who we are? How did we get here? What happened to make us who we are? Starting with the story of creation and moving on to Abraham and the Exodus with Moses and that bread from heaven that came down from heaven, you know, in the form of manna that fed the people and allowed them to, to survive, the water from the rock, the prophets and everything else in the Old Testament. And even in our New Testament, in the Gospels, <coughs> you know, uh, Matthew and, 
and Luke weren't satisfied with just the story of Jesus as an adult, his public ministry. You know, they felt the need to have an origin story for him too. So they did their research and they came up with these beautiful stories of the nativity of Jesus and Mary and Elizabeth and the shepherds and all of those beautiful images to tell us again who Jesus is, how he got to be who he was, not just the guy we meet in Holy Week. So origin stories are a big part of our, of our Christian faith, of our religious tradition going all the way back to our Jewish ancestors. We love origin stories as people of faith. Today's great feast, this feast of the solemnity of the body and blood of Christ, obviously also has an origin story that could be probably made into at least one movie, if not two. Way, 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 way back, long time ago, not quite in another universe, there was a nun in the 13th century, Sister Juliana, and she was a troublesome sister. Her superiors didn't like her very much. She moved from one community to another, to, to another. But there was one thing about Sister Juliana in the 1200s, and that was that she had a deep devotion to the Eucharist, to the Mass, to the Blessed Sacrament. And one time she had, maybe more than once, she had a dream or a vision, who knows exactly what, of a full moon, a beautiful silvery full moon in the night sky. But there was one big black hole in that silvery moon. So she asked the soft voice that accompanied the vision, what's the black hole? Otherwise, it's in this beautiful, beautiful image, this beautiful vision that I'm seeing. And the soft voice, presumably of God, said, that black hole is the feast that's missing from the life of the church. Everything else in the church is great. We've got all these beautiful feasts. We've got the seasons. We've got Christmas. We've got Easter. We've got Holy. We've got Lent. We've got Advent. But there's one feast missing, and that is the feast to honor the body and blood of my son. And she said, yes, you're right, but I'm not going to do anything about it. And the voice said, yes, you will. And she said, no, I won't. I'm too small. I'm, nobody likes me. My superiors don't like me. I have no authority. I have no power. I can't convince anybody, blah, 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 blah. And the voice said, do it. So she began to promote this feast of the body and blood of Christ, as it came to be known, Corpus Christi. Back in Liege, where she was from, a few people listened to her, including eventually the bishop. And they said, yes, here in Liège, in Belgium, we're going to celebrate this feast on the Thursday following Pentecost, no, whatever, whatever this past Thursday was. And they began celebrating it, and they had a nice celebration, everybody loved it. Everybody thought it was really appropriate and beautiful, and she fulfilled, at least partially, the command that she had received. So anyway, one of the people who worked, one of the priests, one of the clergy at the cathedral in Liège, um, not there long after, guess what? Became Pope, Pope Urban IV. Pope Urban IV said, I really like this feast too. So I'm gonna make it a feast for all the church. Well, it wasn't quite that easy. Pope Urban had to wait a while. He had another miracle, another story to tell. There was a priest named Father Pietro in a nearby village, and he was doubting his faith. This was just a few years after Sister Juliana's vision. And he wasn't really sure about this whole body and blood of Christ thing. And then one day while he was saying Mass in the midst of his doubts and his troubles, 
the consecrated bread begins to bleed, and there's a whole story about that. Pope Urban is thrilled by that. He sees that as confirmation of Sister Juliana's um, vision, and so he declares that for the entire church, for all history now, the feast of the body and blood of Christ will be celebrated by everybody, whether they like it or not. And they did like it. And that's the, or one of the origin stories for today's feast. Could turn a couple good movies out of that. But in another way, that is not the real origin story of today's feast. It's an origin story. But the real, the best, the most original origin story goes back far beyond 1200s in Liège. Goes back actually to a upper room on a Passover celebration in the far, far away city of Jerusalem with 12 guys and Jesus of Nazareth. And there on that Passover night, on what was to become a very difficult week for Jesus of Nazareth, they celebrated the Passover with all of its beautiful meanings and symbols and calling to mind, being touched yet again, converted yet again by the origin story of Moses and the Exodus and the bread from heaven. And within that holy meal, Jesus takes the bread on the table, the unleavened bread, symbolizing the, 11, the unleavened bread that they ate as they escaped the Egyptians. He blesses the bread, he breaks the bread, he passes it to his 12 apostles around that table, and he says to them, this is my body. And he takes the cup of wine, and he blesses it, and he offers it to each of his 12 apostles, and he says, this is my blood. And then he says, do this in memory of me. Now that's the real origin story. And we have been living that origin story and retelling that origin story and experiencing that origin story Sunday after Sunday after Sunday for over 2,000 years now. We repeat the very same words that Jesus said on that holy night before he was to die. And, and we receive that bread and we receive that cup, that bread of life, that cup of salvation, and it nourishes us and it delights us. And that's why we come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Because it is good for us to remember Jesus and to share and to participate in his body, in his blood. And when Jesus offered that bread and that wine to his disciples that night, it wasn't just a simple little gift. Here, here's something to remember me by, a little token of my presence here among you. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't a, a keychain or a, or a photograph of himself. What he was giving them was his very self, his spirit. He was giving them his love. He was giving them his full life. He was giving them everything. And, and included in that everything was his ministry itself. In a way, he's saying, I'm giving you my love in its fullness so that you can love as I love. With the gift comes a responsibility. If you're going to receive me, 
my body, my blood, my spirit, my life, my love, my compassion, my ministry, my healing of the sick, my consoling of the burdened. If you are going to receive this gift of me pouring myself out even unto death for you, then you have to do the same. The same theme is echoed in the Gospel of John when he washes their feet. Do this as I have done it for you. So with this gift of Jesus' body and blood in the original, original story, origin story of this feast, we receive this ineffable gift of Jesus' life and his love, of his spirit, of his flesh and his blood, his very self, his whole self. And it's meant to edify us, and it's meant to give us strength, and it's meant to nourish us and slake the thirst of our hearts. But it also is meant to impel us out the doors of this church to do what Jesus did. To do as Jesus did it. To love our neighbor, to care for the poor, to forgive those who've offended us, to reconcile with those with whom we are unreconciled, to share our goods with those who have none, to be good shepherds to one another and to the world to heal those who are sick in body or mind, to be patient and kind and merciful, to take the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of Jesus, with its wisdom and its grace and its counsel and its, its love and give that gift to the world beyond the walls of this church. <coughs> Jesus did not intend the gift of his body and blood, the gift of his self on that holy night, and that Passover in Jerusalem, to simply be something that made the apostles go, oh, aren't we special? Aren't we holy now? Aren't we blessed? Aren't we, isn't it wonderful that we are fed, that we are nourished? Isn't it wonderful that we get to receive the body and blood of Christ? Ah, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> Certainly, yes, all of that but also to take that gift and give it away to anyone and everyone who is in need of life and love and healing and forgiveness and mercy and strength, just as Jesus did. Otherwise, Jesus' spirit, his life, dies. If, if his followers do not do what he did, if they do not give away the gift they have received, if they do not love as he loved, if they do not give themselves up body and spirit in love for others as he did, then he disappears. His ministry, his life, his three years, his death, his resurrection have no effect in our world. There is a temptation for us as followers of Jesus, as Catholics, as people who celebrate this feast on this Sunday, to say, oh, we're here on this feast to especially reverence and adore the Blessed Sacrament. And that is true. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. It's here, we're here today, we have this special feast today so that we can realize what a gift we've been given and how we are nourished and fed and spiritually 
in spiritually given life by the gift of the Eucharist. And that is true. But we also are gathered here on this particular feast, focusing on the blood and the blood and the body and blood of Christ, so that we can remember to and do what Jesus has done to take that gift and make it active in our world. That is a gift given that comes with a responsibility to give it away again so that it can grow a hundredfold, a thousandfold, a millionfold in our needy and hungry and bleeding world. So that's the origin story of today's feast. Through the week, you've been hearing around town lots of fireworks, lots of celebrations, lots of music, lots of sweets being sold in the streets, all for this feast to give thanks to the Lord for the gift of his body and blood. And that's wonderful. But it's meaningless unless the gift we have been given is also shared.